We made a seum at the end of Brachos, when we learned Brachos HaShachar, but we did not make a seum at the end of Baruch Sha'amar, because even though that was what we did for Psuke de Zimra, for better or for worse, um, it wasn't a very long amount of time. I think it was something like 10 classes or maybe. Yeah. So we didn't make a seum then. So really, today is... Today is a seum on our learning of Psuke de Zimra, which was Baraksha Amar and concepts relating to Psuke de Zimra. I have exactly one page left in my notebook, so I guess we're... Right, really small. <laughs> you know, I actually... That's me yesterday. I had the MS at the end of the Shema. Mm -hmm. And then I started putting in also the MS Vyatsiv. And because I use these sheet protectors, you know, each page basically takes three pages right. of space. And I realized it's going to be, start giving me trouble. It'll be too full. There's a whole notebook now, just MS and MS Vyatsiv. <laughs> but that's because of the way I'm doing it now. So it's actually less space efficient, but much easier for workflow. Yeah, so I spend more money on notebooks. It's funny where all the little expenses come in. <laughs> the notebooks, the post-it notes. Okay. So, expenses. Thank you. Thank you, Mom Lippman and Judy Fritkes and Kelsey Lieber for sponsoring our SEUM. That's really very exciting. And lively. Um, and I also want to thank my mom, who really is the hostess of this year, even though she does not always make it to the table with us, and uh, hope that the merit will add to her merit. I know the merit will add to her merits, and also for Rafua Shalema, for my mom, Hannah Basfreda Golda. When we talk about a seum, and I think, I think it's um, Aaron, Aaron. I think we talked about this in the first seum, that the concept of a seum combines the learning that we do, which is stepwise and linear and a process, and the eternal nature of the Torah learning that we do, which goes on and on and on. That's the more circular route and is related with that which is eternal. Um, I think at the time we had learned, it might have been in Orachayim. I have in my mind the idea of Kleyakar, although this does not sound at all like Kleyakar, so it could be we combine two ideas in a Parsha Shir about the Shvatim, that as they traveled in Bamidbar, they're described that when we're traveling, they're traveling all the tribes in a line, mm -hmm. linear yeah. order, but that in the future, all the tribes will dance in a circle around the Shechina holding hands. And that idea of the eternal, the world to come, that which is forever being a circle, first of all, that never ends, and second of all, where everything is yearning toward the center, and it's not a matter of precedence that one goes before the other. So the Siam really combines both of those ideas. I think at the time we looked at the letters of Siam, where you have the Samich and the Mem Sophis, which are round, essentially round letters that go round and round. And you have the Yud and the Vav in the middle, which are the straight letters. And I think, especially in this context, um, where not only would we say it's circular, like where you get to end the Shema and you just have a sense of how much there is still to learn about Shema, I think, is about about as much as one can get. Um, but there's certainly not a feeling that we finished something because, well, 
Two reasons. One is because we're moving towards Shmona Esrei now. The second you take one step out of Shema, you're already at the gates of Shmona Esrei. And the other reason is because of the way Shema ends. The way Shema ends, here, this is a Gemara in Brachos. Amar Rav Abahu, Amar Rav Yochanan. Rav Abahu said in the name of Rav Yochanan, Halacha ke Rav Yehuda, the Halacha is like Rav Yehuda. De Amar, who said, Between the words, between the word Elokechem, meaning the last word of Shema, the last word of the paragraph of Ayomer that is taken from Parsha Shalach, the last word in Shalach, and the words Emes Vyatsiv, which are the next paragraph of prayers, which are not a passage from the Torah, Lo Yafsik, you should not interrupt. Right? We know the idea of a hefsake, like um, when we wash our hands before we eat bread, we don't speak until we've eaten the bread. Why? So there won't be a hefsake. There won't be a break. There won't be an interruption. Between Elokechem and Emes you shouldn't have an interruption. The Amar Rav Abau, Amar Rav Yochanan, and Rav Abau says in the name of Rav Yochanan, my time of Rav Yehuda, what is the reason for Rav Yehuda's psak? that you shouldn't interrupt between these two, because it, is, it creates a phrase that is like a pasuk, a pasuk in Yirmiyahu, Hashem Elohim emes. Hashem the Lord is emes, truth. So therefore, by not stopping between Ani Hashem Elokeichem and emes, you create a little clause that reminds you of a pasuk in Yirmiyahu, where Hashem says, um, where Yirmiya says, the Hashem Elohim Emes, Hashem Elohim, truth. The Tosvos on that Gemara says, when we say the word Emes, truth, we're not affirming the truth that about Hashem, <laughs> because we don't really we don't know anything about the nature of God himself to be able to say that what we knew was true or not. What it's referring to is this thing. So what's this thing? If we look, I, you know, today's class is not about the paragraph of Emes Fiatsiv, but just about the word Emes, but a little bit we have to dip in. When we say emes v'yatsi v'nachon v'kayam v'yashar v'neeman v'ahu v'chavi v'nechmad v'noim v'nora v'adzir u'musukan u'mukubal v'tov v'yafeh. These are all beautiful terms, which we, I will do a little bit at least on at some point. But truth and um, lasting and stable and eternal and straight and faithful and beloved and different kind of loved and sweet and pleasant and awesome and mighty and perfected and accepted and good and lovely. Hadavar Hazet, this thing, is to us forever and ever. Truth that Hashem is our God. He is the rock of Yaakov, the shield who defends us. For all generations, he is eternal. His name is eternal. His throne is established, his kingdom is established, 
and his faithfulness lasts forever. His words are alive and lasting and faithful and sweet forever and ever to our forefathers and to us, to our children, to all generations and all generations following out of the seed of Israel, your servant. So when we say MS, it's referring to this concept, this idea that God's word is forever and that he is our king forever and that his throne is forever, which makes a lot of sense as a close to Shema, where we were Mechabel Malchus Shemayim. We declare that Hashem is the king. That's a very fitting close. Isn't it stated differently when it's private or when there's a Shabbat Sibor? Yeah. We'll, we'll get to that. Okay. And the Maharsha says that the word MS, because the reason that we connect it without interrupting is so that we understand that the word MS refers above and below. By saying the word MS, which is truthfully the first word of the next paragraph, mm-hmm. but by not stopping at all from Shema to the word MS, what we do is we attach it to refer upward as well as downward. So that's maybe not such a surprise. But I want to explore a little bit what the idea of MS is. Excuse me. And what it has to do with Shema. There is a Gemara in Shabbos. I'm wondering if anyone's running any blowers outside. Or if that's... Not yet. <laughs> yeah. Especially if I'm drinking a hot drink. Mm-hmm. Let me start to notice. Okay. There's a Gemara in Shabbos. It's really awesome. I would love to, to learn from someone what all the things of it mean because it's a really... I've heard little bits of it here and there, but as always, seeing a Gemara in context gives you an awful lot more of a, an idea of what you don't know than when you just hear it in a shir. Um, and it's... I'm not sure I didn't look back to see where what the context of the context is, but the mini context that we're in is about the letter Taf, also known as Saf, whether it has a dot in it or not, and whether you're Ashkenazi or Sephardi. If you're Yemenite, it's probably a Saf. That wasn't funny. That was true. <laughs> I know. Okay. Okay. So this letter, talking about this letter, Taf, Saf, Saf. Yeah, which are all linguistically very closely related anyway. It's not so, not, not really so disturbing to anyone who studies language, the fact that that particular sound has a few variations. Okay. Um, in English, you know, you don't think of it that way because the way English works, we put an H after a T to modify it. But really, a T followed by an H would be to, huh. I mean, if you, right. So what you're doing is you're using the T and the H together to indicate a modified T sound that's a th. So it's, it's at, we do it even in the language that we're accustomed to. We just didn't recognize it as being the same idea that, that you can, there's a certain amount of adjacency in those sounds. Okay, duh is also in that category. All right, so we're talking, the Gemara here is talking about the letter Saf, or Taf, which is the last letter of the alphabet, of the Hebrew alphabet. Not knowing this Gemara, I could say, I could tell you also that it is speaking about um, the combination of din, of justice, and chesed, kindness. And the, the fact that those two, on the one hand, can be distinct, and on the other hand, cannot be fully 
disentangled from one another. I couldn't explain more than that of this Gemara because I don't understand it. But, but that much becomes clear. And Rej Lakish makes a comment near the end of this part of the page. This is uh, Shabbos Nun Hay, Daf Nun Hay, Amr Aleph. And they are discussing, very interesting question, <laughs> horrifying question to even have to discuss. I can't imagine how they talked about it rationally. You know, do we still have Zechus Avos or not? Does the merit of our forefathers, of Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, still uh, work to give us merit? Meaning that in the merit of their actions, which are, now I believe that we, we tend to go with the fact that yes, it does. But they're having this, this discussion back and forth. And Rish Lakish says, tough, the letter Saf, Sof Chosmo Shel HaKadosh Baruch Saf is the end of the seal of the Holy One, blessed be he. Okay. So there's a couple references here, maybe, that we don't know what, what, what seal. What's the seal? So what is a seal? A seal is something that in, um, creates a pattern upon something else that identifies it as being the product of the one who put the seal. That's the purpose of it. It's a verification. Right? And it's a verification that what is within this scroll or document is in fact the product of the one who claims it is theirs. Right? So otherwise somebody could just easily um, forge. You know, they could counterfeit, they could make a they could make a document and claim that it comes from the king. How would you know that it really is? So rather than the handwritten signature, even more formalized is the seal, the stamp. So you take the wax and the, or the clay and they drip it on. And, and, and in fact, there's in Israel, you can see on display the imprint because the seal is, is in reverse, right? I mean, the, they used to have rings, let's say, made of metal that would have a picture and a name uh, embossed within it. And then they would stamp it into clay that they would use to seal, let's say, barrels. So in the city of David, you've got all kinds of places where they found, you know, because there was storage for the king's palace there. So things that were even just inventoried might be then slathered with clay and then stamped by the person who had checked what was inside of it to confirm that that's what's inside. And you can see on display there the seal impression in clay of Shafan the Sofer, Shafan the Sofer is mentioned in Navi. It's a, I mean, I get the chills remembering this, and I've seen it before, you know. Shafan the Sofer, you're talking about a person who's named in the prophets as working for the king. He was, he was like a chief accountant. And his, one of his stamps showed up in an archaeological dig in the city of David. That is like an astonishing thing, right? So... That's something that's harder to copy because it's engraved, it's got his name, it's got his personal symbol, whatever it is. I was surprised when I went to Japan on one trip to find that people use seals there. Americans don't use seals, you know this, yeah? Mm -hmm. Japanese people will buy some kind of little, it's like a stamp thing, only you don't usually put it in ink, but you can, and they use them to sign important documents. If you get a mortgage, you gotta bring your seal with you. I was very, really very surprised to hear that nowadays. To me, somehow, that was 
something well, we quaint get, or lovely. Have things notarized, and they have to. Oh, so I didn't even think of that. Yeah, wax. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Notary. That's right. They don't really use wax now so much for notary, but they it's still they press in, in there. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh, you're right. Okay. So, tough or saf is the end of the seal of God. Okay. So the seal of God is that which verifies that its contents are created by him. The Amar Rabbi Hanina. So what is he referring to when he's talking about the seal of God? Well, Rabbi Hanina had taught, The seal of the Holy One, blessed be he, is MS. So we'll use as our working definition, truth. But we're going to work on defining what that means. Oh, okay, so hang on. Rabbi Hanina taught that the seal of God is MS, is truth. But that was Rish Lakish. Rish Lakish taught that based on Rabbi Hanina's teaching that the seal of God is truth, we could notice that Saf is the end of the seal of God because Emes is spelled Aleph Mem Saf. So Saf is the end of the seal of God. Now, what you don't immediately have from that, I mean, you probably do by now because you've probably heard this concept before, but what you don't immediately have just on reading this is, and therefore what? Meaning, okay, that's great, Rish Lakish, that's a first step, we'll notice that. But therefore what? what? What do I get out of the fact that it's the last letter of MS? And the fact that MS is the seal of God. Okay. So Rashi says here, I actually enlarged the Rashi. <laughs> because with the shiny thing. And this is also smaller than the page I was most mafarshim when I print them, so they end up bigger because they just automatically fill the page. But with the Gemara, you get small. <laughs> the seal of Hakadosh Baruch Hu is MS. Rashi says, "What does that mean that the seal of God is MS? What does Rabbi Hanina, What did Rabbi Hanina mean when he said that? What Rabbi Hanina was telling you was." The word MS is emtsois leosios verishon veacharon. The word MS is made of the very first of the letters of the alphabet, the very middle of the letters of the alphabet, and the very last of the letters of the alphabet. Aleph is the first letter, Suf is the last letter, and Mem is the middle letter. Now they started. <laughs> okay. Now that starts to get more intriguing so the seal of god the word ms and the fact that the word ms encompasses within itself the beginning the middle and the end this verifies that something that ms that truth ms is the product of god's work it comes from him okay Al Shame, Rashi goes on to say, named after, <laughs> meaning the word the word MS is like that. Why? Why the word MS? I mean, why not some other word? Ani Rishon Vaani Acharon. This is a Pasuk. Oh. I am first, Vaani Acharon, and I am last. I am the beginning and I am the end, says God. Vaani who? I am he. I am first, and I am last, and I am he. Okay, so there's a pasuk that says, God is first, 
God is last. We have that in Adon Olam, who, uh, who we shown, right? He is first, and there's no other, and then we have, here. Oh, sorry, that's who Echad Sheni. sorry. Beli Rashis, Beli Sachlis, no beginning, no end. He was the God before everything was created, and after everything will cease to be, he will continue to rule alone, okay? And Anihu, I am he. That's an ongoing sort of middle of present. I am and continue to be. First, last, am and continue to be. That's the beginning, that's the end, that's the middle. That's MS. So when you see something that is MS, like the word MS itself, which testifies within the body of the word to what it is, that it serves as a seal to show you this is God's work because he himself is first, middle, end. Rav Nisim Gaon, who's quoted on the side of the Gemara, on this concept of what Rabbi Hanina said, that the seal of God is truth. Amru They have said, they have taught, and he, he gives several quotations above, which I jumped down, the references, uh, different Gemaras. A very beautiful, gorgeous idea, exceedingly beautiful. It seems to me appropriate to write it over here. They have asked, what is the seal of God? Rav Bibi b'shem Rav Ruvain Amar MS Mahu MS. Rav Bibi in the shame of Rav Ruvain, I guess Benjamin Netanyahu was not the first to have that name, said, MS Mahu, what is MS? What is truth? MS Shehu Elohim Chaim Umelech Olam. This, by the way, is something that we say in these passages between Shema and Shemona Esrei. So this is clearly the concept that's being worked up here, coming out of Shema. MS, truth. Shehu Elohim Chaim, that he is the living God, or the God of life. It's, it's both. He's the source of all life, as we'll see. Umelech Olam, and King of the Universe. Amar Rav Shimon ben Lakish, Raish Lakish said, Aleph Rosha de Alpha Besa, the Aleph is the first, the head of the Aleph Bays, Membe Emtsiyusa, the Mem is the center of it, um, and Taf Besofa, and the Taf is the end of it, which tells you, like the Pasuk in Yeshaya Memdalid, Ani Hashem, I am God, Rishon Shaloki Balti Malchusi Meachar, Me'acher, I am first, meaning Hashem says, I am king. I didn't receive it, inherit it, take it over from someone else. There was no king before God was king. I am king from the first. There is no king other than me. There is no partner. That's in the middle tense, in the present, so to speak. Like there's no, what we'd call shutfus, that there's, um, let me take one step back. Hashem says, I am king from the beginning. There is none before me. That is also a statement that Hashem is the creator and the first and prime cause of everything. Not just that he's the king, but somebody else did some kind of work before and then let him be the king, okay? Which is, to us, is such a ridiculous, like why would you need to even, I mean, I guess it's an important concept, but why would we think otherwise? But if you grew up any time 
during the dominion of Greece or Rome, which are actually quite long amount of time when you combine them together, right? Then that's exactly what they believed. You know, you have this one creates the world, but then this one fights, or this one takes over, or this one loses interest, gives it over to the kids, right? Trump says, no, no, I am the first and prime cause. I didn't get it from anybody. I am the creator. There is no shutfus. That's something that we see certainly in our generation and going back also from the end of the Roman era, which is people who believe that there's a, an eternal God who is the creator, but that that might be joined with the worship of other people, forces, trinities, whatever. Okay, There's no partnership. That is Hashem alone. And also Hashem is the the end. I will never give over that kingdom to anyone else, God says. It is, I am king eternally. And this is the concept of the word MS. The word MS includes within it the concept of Hashem, let's put it in terms that are both, you know, forever and familiar. Haya Hovev God was, he is, he always will be. That is encapsulated in the word MS. And that truth that God is is embedded within the world as his seal. It's embedded in the Aleph base. It's embedded in the word MS. And it's embedded throughout the world as his seal, testifying that it is, it is the product of Hashem's creation and his work, so to speak. Okay. By the way, let me just go back. There was another phrase after the statement that Emes is the seal of Hashem. Amar Rav Shmuel Bar Nachmani, Elu Bnei Adam. You know what the seal of God is? It's people shekimu Torah kula People who keep the Torah from Aleph to Taf. From beginning to end, everything inside of it, where it's not pick and choose, it's not, but it's all, this is all from Hashem, and therefore I keep all of it. It's not about what I understood or how I felt about it. This is the stamp of God in the world, which is also a remarkable concept. Okay. We're going to add a few more concepts, but you'll see that they all build off of this core idea from the Gemara. Um, in the book Shema Tefilasi, the Sefer, it's a collection of Rav Chaim Kanievsky's explanations on Tefillah. He quotes Chazal in Vayikra Rabbah, V'Hashem Elohim Emes. Hashem the Lord is Emes. That was the Pasuk from Yirmiyahu Perakyud. What does it mean, Chazal say, what does that mean that Hashem is MS? Like, how could we possibly, how could there be, even for a prophet, what does it mean to say, to try and describe Hashem in any way? What are we supposed to get out of that? Shehu Elohim Chaim. This is the quote that, um, that Rav Nisim Gaon brought, that Hashem is Elohim Chaim, he's the living God, Melech Olam, and King of the Universe. What does that mean, Rav Kanievsky says? Ki emes rosha aleph beis ve'emtziyu so v'sofo. Emes has the beginning, the middle, and the end of the aleph beis. Zesiman shu melech olam. And this in itself is a sign that he is king of the universe. Now, 
That by itself, you say, we miss. What did he add? <laughs> what did he add to what the Gemara said? He's clearly trying to explain something onto it. So here, that I'm, I'm not sure who put it together. I think one of his children or grandchildren compiled the Sefer. Um, but, you know, this is still his lifetime. He checks them over. <laughs> so we know it's what he wanted to say. Added a footnote, which is something he added on a Gemara in Sanhedrin, but not over here. And this helps clarify what he was saying. There was a place, this is a Gemara in Sanhedrin, Tzadik Zion Amur Aleph. We have had occasion to mention this Gemara before. I don't remember, it wasn't that long ago. Sometime in the last eight months, I think. About a place, Sheshma, whose name was Kushta. A place called Kushta. Now, Kushta in Aramaic means truth. Oh, mommy made it to the sea of Mazel Tov. Hello. Where do you want to be? Oh, the end is probably convenient. Thank you. Okay. There was a place, there was a city called Kushta. Kushta means truth. Where the people never changed their words. They never twisted their words. They never said something that was a little different from what they really meant or thought or believed to be true. And in that place, nobody ever died when it wasn't his time. I don't know exactly how long is his time, but people didn't die there before 120 years old, okay. let's say. That's me now speculating on what the time is, okay? So I could be proven wrong. And the, the Taurus Chaim explains on that, says Rav Chaim Kanievsky, why was that true of that place? Meaning there's clearly a connection. The Gemara is telling us that in a city where nobody ever lies, the people don't die young. But why? Because sheker is not, kiyum means lasting. We talked about the word kayam in Baruch Shamar. It means lasting. So something that is and continues to be. Sheker ain't lo kiyum. Sheker has no kiyum. Sheker cannot keep going. Ha-emes yesh lo kiyum. But emes, truth, does continue, does have long-term existence. Okay, so this is um, also a very famous, I should have made a handout for this, but I think we're pretty familiar with it already. This is the concept, sheker ain't lo raglayim, emes yesh lo raglayim. So if we have the word sheker and we have the word emes, so the word sheker is made in a Sefer Torah because a shin is a pointed letter at the bottom. So the word sheker is made of letters that can, are not stable. They can't actually, if you had, if you made them, if you cut them out of foam, you wouldn't be able to stand them up on a table. They would just tip right over. Sheker ain't lo raglayim. Sheker has no legs. Sheker can't keep itself going. It doesn't last. MS, I'm sorry, it's in pencil, so I'm sure, I'm sorry, you probably can't see it. MS, yesh lo raglayim. MS does have legs. If you took the letters of MS and you cut them out from foam or whatever, you could stand them up and they would be supported by themselves. They themselves support themselves. Sheker can't last. It's not sustainable. 
it's not truth. Sheker doesn't keep going. MS lasts. Now that's also the concept of MS. It's the beginning, the middle, and the end, right? The fact that it is stable. It is something that isn't changing over time. Sheker looks okay if you look at it at a, in a moment, but if you look at it over time, there's nothing there. It's all fallen down. MS is the source of life. MS hu mekor hachaim. So, well, let me go on a little bit. Zesh Amr Yirmiyah, that is what Yirmiyahu was referring to when he said, Hashem Elohim Emes, and Hashem the Lord is Emes. Who Elohim Chaim? What he means is, Hashem is Elohim Chaim, the living God, so to speak, and the source of life, the God of life. Because life is describing something Life in this world is finite, but Hashem is a source of life, and so it keeps on flowing. In Birkas HaTorah, we say, Asher Nosan Lanu Torahs Emes, God who has given us the Torah that is Emes, that is true, Vechaye Olam Nata Besochenu. These ideas are associated, and eternal life he has implanted within us. He gave us a Torah of truth and eternal life he planted within us. The association between MS and life. Truth, Torah is truth, the Torah of truth. Truth is what implants life, life that lasts, chaye olam, eternal life. Gam Chizkiah, also Chizkiahu when he was sick and he davened to live started by saying, started his words, he wanted his life to continue and go on, started his prayer with God, you know I have walked before you in truth with MS because it is from God that life comes and whoever holds on to Hashem, who clings to him can exist eternally, can continue. If you attach yourself to MS, if MS is associated with the source of life then attaching yourself to MS is attaching yourself to eternal life. So the Torah is a tree of life to those who hold on to it. It becomes very simple. Life is, a, is something that comes from God. If you hang on to God, you hang on, and it's the quality of MS in particular that is associated with this. Therefore, the people in the city of Kushta didn't die before their time. Because by being careful with their words and only saying MS, they are now identified with truth. And therefore, they have a source of life. We're going to come back to this idea a little bit more about the association between life and truth um, and the lasting nature of it. So I did, I stopped and took a little detour, which was to look at where is the first place in the Torah that the word MS is used. And I was a little bit surprised. I wasn't sure what I was expecting, but I was surprised because the first use I could find of the word MS was in, Eli in the passage with Eliezer. That late. That late. 
Eliezer has the word emes twice. The first one is a conjugation, va'amito, and his truth. So that verse is in Parshas Chayesara, Perak Chavdalet, Pasuk Chavzayin, va'yomer, Eliezer said, okay, this is, Eliezer has prayed to God, let's take another step back, you remember that we learned about this this year, Parshas Chayesara, we talked a lot about Eliezer, and this incredible achievement of his, that he became a pure Eved of Avraham, you remember this, right, and, um, the fact that Eliezer's story goes on at tremendous length <laughs> and is repeated. Right. What Avram said to him, he repeats to Basul and Lavan, and then he comes back, he tells the whole story back again. I mean, there's really quite a lot of repetition of the story, and Rashi taught us why. Because Hashem loves the words of the righteous. Hashem's telling you, this is what I want to hear. You need a different chair? <laughs> oh. That's more important. Okay. Okay. So he davens, he, uh, there are indications that Eliezer was hoping that his own child, his own daughter, could marry Avraham's son, Yitzhak, because he wanted to be more connected to Avraham, which makes sense. I mean, he had dedicated his whole life to serving Avraham and learning from him. Eliezer was the greatest Talmud of Avraham Avinu. Um... And Avram said, no, go get my son a wife from my family. I don't want her to ma- him to marry someone from Canaan. Eliezer was a Canaani. And he sits down and he davens to Hashem that Hashem should help him find the right girl and Hashem should help him fulfill the mission given to him by Avraham as Avraham wants it fulfilled, not as he wants it fulfilled. And this girl, Rivka, is there at the well. He arrives at the well immediately, and there's this girl, and he asks her, and she responds to his sign that he had asked from God. She says, of course, I will give you to drink, and I'll also give your camels, and there is also straw, and there is plenty of food, and a place to stay. And the man bowed down, and he prostrated himself before God, Vayomer, and he said, Baruch Hashem Elokei Adoni Avraham. It's, it's so striking when you realize the, what he's pushing against inside himself to do this job, right? Blessed is Hashem, the God of my master Avraham. Not even my God, not, right? Asher lo azav chasto va'amito me'im Adoni who has not withheld, or has not discarded, his kindness and his truth from my master. And leading me on my way to the house of my master's brother. Okay, over here, that's the first use of MS. His, and his MS. God's MS as applied to Avraham. And he is grateful for it. Now, the second use of Emes is a little bit later. Now he is talking to Lavan, and he's describing what he went through. He says, I was standing at the well of water, and I said, may I have some water from your pitcher? And she said, sure, you can drink, and your camels can have some. 
and I realize this is the wife that Hashem has pointed out for the son of my master Avraham. And she came, and it was exactly as I had prayed for, and I asked her who she was. She said she's the daughter of Besuel, the son of Nahor, whom Milka gave birth to. And I gave her these presents, and I thanked God for leading me on the true path. <clears throat> and now, if you will do kindness and truth for my master, Hagiduli, tell me. And if not, then tell me, and I'll turn and go in another direction. Okay, chesed ve'emes. So first of all, it's very striking. We see the conjunction of the two, chesed and emes. It's actually, <laughs> I didn't think of it. There's a puzzle until him. Chesed ve'emes nifgashu. Chesed and emes. Um, nifgashu means meet up, but it means almost like bumping into each other. They meet up to the point of touching. This is awesome. For, I just have to give you the first line of our first, even though it's not the one about MS. What ahava is in feelings. Ahava means love. What ahava is in feelings, chesed is in deeds. That is just, right? There's, there's a sheer by itself. Ahava is in feelings to what chesed is in deeds. It is, chesed is love translated into action. MS adds a restriction or a limitation to the chesed, which is interesting. It's not gavura. Gavura would be on its own. Now, do you start to hear echoes of something you might have heard before? Like the idea of Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, Avraham being associated with chesed, Yitzchak being associated with din, justice, or Gvura, power, and Yaakov being associated with Emes, with a perfect, harmonious blend of Chesed and Din. I'm not sure I ever thought about, but why would that be Emes? Meaning, if Emes is that which is true, it's how it actually is, embedded from inside. If that's Emes, then that means truth is that there is a blend of what we would see as either chesed or din. Now, that makes sense. We talked about this not so long ago, right? That the world is created through a channeling of chesed, a forming or shaping of chesed. That bria, creation, comes is an expression of chesed, of creativity, of wanting to do, to give, to influence. But that just flows and flows and flows to the point of being destructive. Mm -hmm. It flows and flows and flows to the point of taking no shape at all. It just spreads out like a sea. The creation of the world depends upon there being also boundaries so that the material of creation fills a shape and takes a shape. So you have a world that has a form and you have things that have boundaries and we don't all blend into each other despite the fact that we're made mostly of empty space. My hand doesn't go right through the table. Each thing has a boundary and an identity. So creation depends upon the fact that there is MS. The truth of creation is that it is a blend of both. So chesed ve'emes, says Rav Hirsch, is an act of love where the love does not run too close to overlooking the truth. We might call that 
not allowing your heart to run away with your mind. We've all seen expressions of that. Would you repeat that? Yes. So the literal translation, it seems, of Rav Hirsch's words were, and the, the editor paraphrased it in parentheses as not allowing one's heart to run away with one's head, which leads me to believe that the previous clause might be a German expression in the same way that we know not letting your heart run away with your mind. Okay, we could understand that, but it doesn't mean your heart is running. Okay, so the previous expression, I believe, must have been a German expression. An act of love where the love does not run too close to overlooking the truth. Because love, when you love someone, if you're not thinking about the long term, what they really need, what needs to be built, just in the moment, and you want to do for them, then you'll do and do and do and do if you can, but that doesn't take at all into account the needs of the other person. What is the truth? What is this person, what are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? What's their capacity to receive? How will I help them best? If, they, if you throw, you know, if you pour and pour and pour down someone's throat, at some point they'll choke. So how do you, how do you know what the truth is of what they need to receive? Human love is blind. It is inclined to accede to the wishes of the beloved one without considering the true worth of these wishes. God's love is chesed ve'emes. God's love only grants such wishes in which the truth is conserved, which truly do lead to happiness. This is why when we ask Hashem, we daven, we say, sheyamali mishalos libenu litova. We ask Hashem to fulfill the desires of our heart for the good. We, we want to be mature enough to be able to ask God not only to give us what we want, but to give us what we truly want, even if we don't know it. Because if he just gave us everything we wanted, <clears throat> it wouldn't be good for us. I mean, thank, you know, we live in a country where, thank God, there is such plenty that I was going to say even the poor people, maybe especially poor people, have so much ability to have food that they're unhealthy because they're too obese. This is... Right? So having everything you want sounds great. But if you have what you want in the moment and you don't happen to have the big picture, which none of us truly do, then how much the truer chesed is chesed ve MS? <laughs> MS is a greater chesed than chesed on its own. Thus with Jacob, the care for his burial in general is called an act of chesed. The limitation which is the condition, but don't bury me in Egypt. That's the MS. That's Hashem, Yaakov says to his son, bury, do for me chesed ve MS, mm-hmm. right? And we call burial chesed shal MS. That's also what the spies were to do for Rachav, chesed ve MS, a conditional act of kindness. Okay. That's an interesting beginning to Rav Hirsch's approach to MS. MS is, the more, is a more perfect kindness because it represents what is true and what is complete with the big picture, from the first to the middle to the end. It's the whole picture. But there's some more pieces here. Here's a quote, just one little sentence. We actually read this just a few weeks ago when we were talking about Ne'emanus. 
It's from Rabbi Hirsch's commentary on Veheemin Bahashem, where the Torah says, and Avraham trusted in God. He relied on God. And over there, Rav Hirsch is talking about the concept of Aleph Mem Nun. I was hoping somebody would remember that this sounded familiar. We're talking mm-hmm. about MS, but some of the ideas, was, is, always, will be, which, I mean, we associate that with the, sh- the forename Shem HaMeforosh, yud Hey vav and Hey, but it also was associated, it was summarized in Kel Melech Ne'eman. Talk about full circle, right? Asiyum. Kel Melech Ne'eman, which are the Rashi Tevas Amein, right? Kel, he's the powerful creator, Melech, that's at Matan Torah, Ne'eman, to the future. These were the three revel- major revelations of God to the world. That's the revelation of that which is truth that God is the king of the universe, he was, he is, and he will be. Similar idea. And Rav Hirsch, in fact, says, he's commenting there on the word amen and emunah and he'emin, and he adds a little statement. Even MS itself. Now, where'd that come from? It came from the fact that there's a connection between the word amen and the word MS. They're both on the root of aim, mother, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, but amen takes you only to the middle, right? Mem, nun, okay? Ha'amin means that you can totally trust and put your faith in God because you know that he is reliable and trustworthy and faithful in the long run. Ne'eman, like in Kel Melech Ne'eman. Ne'eman is the one that refers to the future. We're going to see that again in Shemona Esrei. Ne'eman atala ha'chayos mesim. You are faithful to revive the dead, to resurrect the dead. That's in the future. That's the future revelation of God. Okay? So Ne'eman is always referring to the future, but that also means it's from the point of view of the present. Right? The future, the future can only be spoken about from the present. Once you would get to the future, that wouldn't be in the future anymore. So the future from the point of view of the present, Ne'emanus means that it isn't revealed to you. No. It's revealed to you that Hashem will take care of you and be there for you. But the revelation of his actually doing it is not yet revealed. That was the concept of the Ne'emanos. With MS, it's Aleph Mem Saf. You get all the way through to the end. MS is the truth. So to the extent that you can see MS is the extent that you actually have that truth fully revealed. Now, it may not be that you see the whole truth, but what you are seeing is true. It's no longer off to the future. You're seeing it. Okay, so here's the quote from Rav Hirsch. This is that, but that, I, I believe, is, the, is Rav Hirsch's uh, conjoining here of the concepts, relating them together, the Amen and the Emes. Even Emes itself is not only truth in theory, it is also truth in practice. Indeed, do you hear that concept of creation relying upon shape? The blend of chesed and and din creating MS? It is truth in practice, indeed. It's truth that has taken shape. Loyalty, faithfulness. Now, it's also remarkable because Ahava was in feeling what chesed was indeed, and MS is truth not only in theory, but in practice, indeed. So the conjoining of chesed and emes itself is a very remarkable, both of them take an idea that is more of a, I think with, with uh, 
ahava, it's a feeling with emes, it's in, with the intellect, the mind, and brings it to the level of action and deed, chesed and emes, together. He doesn't mention that com- combination, but when you see how he writes about each of them in different places. Okay, there's another definition of emes from Rav Hirsch, which I believe pulls together these and is awesome. Mrs. Khan, are you able to stay late today? Uh, yeah, well, uh, what do you mean? I well, I had, it. yeah, I'd hope that for the seum we would have extra time. Is that okay? Sure, that's fine. Okay, I just want to make sure. Because I think you didn't get the email, right? <laughs> I, I don't have you on my email list. Oh, so. <laughs> okay, so I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> okay. So here's Rev Hirsch in his commentary in Vayikra, Parakut Ches Pasuk Dalet and Hey. He is commenting on the verse says, well, let's see, did I put it away here? I'll leave the Pasuk. The Pasuk is this. I should actually two Pasuk him together because it's Dalet and Hey. Es mishpatai ta'asu. You shall do my mishpatim, God says. My, well, here Rav Hirsch calls them social laws. The es chukosai tishmeru laleches bahem. And my laws you shall guard to walk in them. Ani Hashem elokechem. I am Hashem your God. Ushmartem es chukosai ve es mishpatai asher yase osom ha'adam. You shall guard my laws and my social laws, which when a man does them, v'chai bohem, he shall live through them. He shall live thereby. Ani Hashem, I am God. And listen to this piece from Rav Hirsch. He is talking here about the mishpatim. And I believe um, the relationship between the mishpatim and the chukim and life. Right? Because the Torah just said, if you walk in the ways of the Torah, if you do the mitzvahs and keep the mitzvahs, you will live because of them. I am God. What, what is the flow of those ideas? Do you need a pencil? Is that? Oh. Right. <laughs> there are a few. Okay. Okay. Now, Rav Hirsch, he does not quote the Pasuk. Well, he does kind of quote it, but he doesn't actually tell you he's exactly quoting it. It's from a pasuk in Tehillim, Mishpatei Hashem Emes, the Mishpatim, the social laws of God, Emes, are truth, Tzadku Yachtav, and are righteous together. So in defining this, he defines Emes. Mishpatei Hashem, the laws, the, the, the mitzvos are Emes, the truth of matters and conditions. They flow from the inner nature, from the actual conception and true purpose of things. I think what we could say Rav Hirsch is telling us is, looking at these different commentaries of his as a group, MS is the actualization that we can see in the world that is a materialization of the true inner nature of things. MS is truth, but when truth is formulated, when truth is expressed, when the truth, because of the inner truth, that comes out in action, indeed, in the creation as something, that's called MS. 
the actual concept it is it flows from the inner nature the actual conception and the true purpose of things again this association of ms with life with creation but with the formulated and materialized creation meaning the combination of the chesed that creates with the din that gives it shape and now it's taken this form, and that's MS. But that MS in creation is an expression of the truth within, at the source. I think the simplest and most obvious model to think about at the paradigm is the paradigm of DNA, where every cell in our body, not on our body, in a plant, in an animal, right? Every cell in our body has the same DNA, hopefully, more or less, right? even though one is a transparent cell of the cornea and one is a hard fingernail and one is skin and one is a heart muscle cell, but the DNA is all the same. So there is an expression in my living body. They are, every cell expresses the truth that is embedded in the DNA. That DNA is the truth. That is the reality, the inner conception, the inner nature, the true purpose of the cells. And then each one, as it is given its shape and its direction, instead of being, you know, when, when the first cells of, a, I was going to say a fetus, of an ovum, <laughs> begin to multiply, I think they're called omnipot, not om, um, pluripotential, I think before that they're omnipotential is maybe what they are even before that. Each cell can become anything. You just have a single cell and then you have two cells and four cells and eight cells, right? It's like blastocyst and things, right? This is going back a long way. <laughs> okay, those cells can become anything. Split them in half, you get two children and you have identical twins. All right. So at some point, that creation has to move from being just pluripotential cells, because we don't really want to just have masses and masses and masses and masses of that, you don't have a person. That's not a person. That's the conception of a person, <laughs> literally and figuratively. But it isn't a person yet. It only becomes a person when each cell starts to be given shape and limitation. You could have, your, your ancestor cell could have been anything. You have the same DNA, but you are now dedicated only to being a skin cell, only to becoming a muscle, only to becoming bone, only to becoming ner nerves or brain cells. Okay, that is required in order to get the formation of the person, the creation of the person. So if we think in that sense then, it's a great model for this concept of MS as the actualization that is created through the combination of chesed and din. But it's not just an outcome of chesed and din, it's an outcome of the real, true, inner reality of it, the truth. MS is when we can see the truth, which is why Rav Hirsch says about this concept of mitzvot as truth, they do not change because they are an expression of something that is truth. That which is true is always 
This relates back to the idea of the source of life. God is Elohim Chaim Umelech Olam. You may only see one little piece of it in a mitzvah of Hashavah Saveda, but because it is an expression of that which is actually truth, it can't be changed. And when the mitzvahs are kept, tzadiku yachtav, they form righteousness and justice yachtav, when united. Meaning, when the mitzvahs are kept as they are meant to be kept, not changed, not saying I'm going to be more machmir and, or more mekil or more, right? I'm keeping the mitzvahs as they're meant to be. Then as a group, the mitzvahs do not ever come at the expense of one another or at the expense of one person or another because they are fair to everyone. They ensure harmoniously a suitable position to everyone and demand that everybody does his share all in accordance with his rights as a human being and with his condition in life. That it all works together because the mitzvahs as a whole are a body that is an expression of truth. I want to come back now, having looked at all that, I want to come back to Eliezer because I believe that in looking at Eliezer we can we can try and take something for ourselves as well, uh, something Musser, both in our avoda, MS, don't stop between saying Shema, you shall be holy to God, you'll do all the mitzvahs, Hashem is your God, he took us out of the land of Egypt to be our God, Hashem Elokeichem, MS. So something that we can take into our saying of Shema, saying MS, and into ourselves in general in our thinking. Rav Chaim Kamyevsky said, MS relates to kiyum, lastingness, right? Sheker has no legs, MS has legs. MS is, hang, we want to hang on to MS. That connects us to life. That connects us to that which can stand and last forever. Eliezer was trying to connect himself to Avraham. So his initial thought for that was, if his daughter marries Yitzchak, Mm-hmm. This is how he can attach himself permanently on into the future to Avraham, right? Then all the generations that will come out from Yitzchak, from Avraham's son, will also be his own descendants. So his, it makes his life work become entangled with Avraham's life work. And Avraham said no. Mm-hmm. But that didn't stop Eliezer from wanting to be attached to Emes. That's what's so remarkable. That, that, and that, I remember we talked about that in the, the rejection, right? There were other people who had been rejected from the connection, and some went the wrong way with that. Timna. <laughs> she married Asaph. She said, well, you know, <laughs> at least I could be sort of connected, right? Eliezer didn't go that route. He said, okay, then if that's what you want, then that's what I'll attach myself to. Avraham, if you say go get a wife from, my, from your family instead of from my family, I will attach myself to that. It, it wasn't what I thought I wanted. But I, he was able to raise his sight to a bigger picture and say then he'll attach himself to that. And in doing so, there's an incredible achievement. Ooh, that's not a bracious. Okay, bracious not here. But I did write down the quote. In Pasuk Nun Beis, 52, over there, for the first time, he's called Eved Avraham. Eliezer is called, this after this whole conversation, he's called the servant of Avraham. Here's what Rav Hirsch says. Here, for the only time in the whole chapter, he is given the title 
Eved Avraham. Now he has really accomplished his mission as Avraham's Eved and feels himself completely and truly as such. It's not just being Eved. That's right. It's not just being Eved. When his identity is Eved Avraham, so whose name is his identity now? It's Avraham's name, not Eliezer's name. It's not his own name anymore. His name, his identity, is the servant of Avraham. He has fully attached himself to Avraham. His whole identity now is an identity of Abraham. Even though his daughter couldn't marry Avraham's son, and that is a chesed and emes, that is an achievement of emes, of clinging to Avraham, of clinging to that which is truth, and not letting go of it. Okay. That for sure is a thought in MS that whether we can perfectly achieve it or not is something we need to strive for in the word MS. How do I know that? Because if I look at Shema and I look at the process of going from Shema to Shmona Esrei, which is what the word MS bridges me to, Shema was the dedication of myself and my will to Hashem. It's Kabbalah's Malchus Shamayim. Your wish is my command. Your command is my wish. I have a will, but what I will with it is whatever is God's will. That's Kabbalah's Malchus Shamayim. But somehow I need to transition from there to Shmona Esrei. Shmona Esrei is about will entirely. There is no more ego. In Shema, it's just me and Hashem. There's love. It's intimate. It's all about Ahava at the beginning. But by the time I've gone all the way through Shema, I need to be ready for an even higher Avoda, which is an Avoda of Ein Od Milvado. There's nothing other than God. Ani Rishon, Ba'ani Aharon, Ba'ani Hu. It's only God, beginning, middle, and end. So MS comes, it's not Amen, it's not Kel Melech Ne'eman, it's the bracket at the end that says, I want my identity to be an identity of godliness, that my will should be an expression of God's will. So there's no more me and him, Ani Vehu. It becomes Enod Milvado. There's none other than God. We're not perfectly there yet, possibly, but this is something we're striving for, especially as we head into Yom Kippur. This is something we're striving for. It's something we strive for in Tshuva, right? To actually change our will so that what we will is God's will. Not, I have a will and my will is that it should be. And by the way, the fact that there is the sense of ego, that there is a me and there is a God, is necessary for the stage of Shema, is necessary for Hamlacha, for being the Kabo Malcha Shemaim, for saying God is king, right? That requires that I have a separate identity or a feeling of identity. Because for a king to be declared king means I have to have the ability to choose. That Halavoda in Shema of Bechira and of using the Bechira and using the mind to be Mamlech Hashem. 
But at this point, we're taking a step out of Shema. It's like we've got one foot in Shema and one foot out of Shema. And it's, it's astonishing and yet not surprising to see how the word emes does take you there. Emes takes you from the place where I can see it in Amen and know that you are the king forever and rely on that to a place where there's a much bigger picture. It goes all the way through past where I can see from Aleph to Mem to Saf. And it's not about anything that I want. It's only about you. There is only you, God. I believe that that is, in, at a level, what Eliezer achieves in this clinging to Emes, in this becoming an Evet Avraham. His identity becomes an identity that is defined by Avraham, not by Eliezer. That's who Eliezer is. Okay, so that's who he was. I mean, that's really, Eliezer is the ultimate Evid, right? But to turn that into some kind of terms that we can try and at least get a direction from, to say, my identity, okay, if we will look at the charts, I'm sorry I didn't print the charts today because I wasn't planning to do too much transition work. Whereas Brachos was an avoda of the body, of the goof. And whereas Psuke de Zimra, oh, you have one. Psuke de Zimra is an avoda of the emotion and the life force. And Kriyashma is an avoda of the mind, the head, the intellect, the free will. The level of Atsilos, the level of Shemona Esrei, is the level of Neshama. That's the avoda of Neshama. But our Neshama is Chelek Elokamima. It is divine. It is a tendril of the divine within me. So what am I serving Hashem with at the level of Neshama and Shmona Esrei? It's not with a me that's identified as me. It's a me whose identity is him. That's where I'm going with my Shmona Esrei. It's an Eved Avraham in the sense that the identity of Eliezer is defined as Avraham. And where I'm going to be headed in my Shona Esrei is where my identity as a person is defined as an evidence of Hashem, as an expression of godliness. It's, it's mind-blowing. And yet the word MS does point us to how we are going to approach our Shmona Esrei at a level that's called Atzilus, nearness, Ratzon, will, Neshama, the highest level of soul, Tshuva, repentance, all of those, we see how these ideas are really all one. In the past, I think until we got over to here, they were just like, okay, it'll be interesting to see how that comes out. Now it starts to become clear how it's going to come out and why we had to build from one level to the next. You can't really just jump into a Shmona Esrei. <laughs> you see why you can't really just jump into a Shmona Esrei? It's piece by piece. I have to first bring my body into this. And once I'm doing that, then I can layer onto that the emotions. And once I build onto that, I can layer onto that the choice and the mind and the thinking and the rational mind and only then can I recruit and try and touch into the point of my inner soul, which is not really my control, it's God's. Okay. That was part one of the year. <laughs> Peace too, because it's a seum. <laughs> <laughs>
So this is also important, the, the moving forward, even though it's not truly the introduction to Shemona Esrei. But we can at least say it's a transition out from Shema. With Shema as Kabbalah's Malchus, Shemayim. Shema as receiving and joyfully and voluntarily accepting upon ourselves God's kingdom over us. Lamantis Kuru, in order that you will remember, Va'asisa Meskol Mitzvosai, and you will do all of my mitzvos. Vi'isem Kedoshim Lelokechem, you will become holy to Hashem your God. Now, I, you may remember we mentioned Elokechem, Ani Hashem Elokechem, I am Hashem your God. There was an aspect of Hashem defining himself in terms of our dedication to him. Remember that? Mm -hmm. Who took you out of Egypt in order to be your Lord. Ani Hashem Elokechem. I am Hashem, your God. There is an entangling at the culmination of Shema. When we've gotten to the point of Yisim Kedoshim Lelokechem, the Pasuk comes and says, we started with two identities here. There was Hashem and there was you. Now the identities are becoming mingled, or as we would say in a patent, commingled, because they have to be, I guess, more mingled than mingled. All right? Ani Hashem Elokeichem. Hashem is describing himself in terms of us. He is saying we can have a un an identity in terms of one another. <laughs> And then we say MS. Yeah, on tight. It's okay. Bless you. Well, thank you. This is MS. This is the actual truth. This is the truth that most of the time we can't see, but we caught a glimpse of it in this Pasuk. Ani Hashem Elokeichem. Asher hotseisi eschem eretz mitzrayim liyos lachem leilokim. Ani Hashem Elokeichem. Don't stop. Lo yafsik, you should have no pause. MS. We want to grab that moment of recognizing that and say, MS, that is, the, that is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. That is a truth that leads us to Enon Movado. There's none other than him. He is one. There's no two. There's no real me and him and all separate. That's MS. In that moment, we, we have to quickly say MS. That is the truth. To seal it. It seals it. I think also that Rav Hirsch's whole explanation of how what we call MS is the is when we see formulated the truth that is also helps us to understand this idea that the seal of God is MS because the seal is really just what's on the outside it's the shape and identity on the outside, right? It's the identifying factor. But it testifies to what's inside. And MS is a testimony to the truth. And how did he phrase it? The, the truth of matters and conditions. It flows from the inner nature, from the actual conception and true purpose of things. This is just the outer expression that testifies to that. That's the chosam. That's the seal. This idea of Eliezer being Abraham's Eved, 
meaning he's going to accomplish what Avraham would do himself. So he's an extension of Avraham if he's a perfect Eved. And in fact, Eliezer achieves that and is then called Eved Avraham. That's an amazing title. You know, we say in Shmona Esrei on Shabbos day, Yismach Moshe b'matanas chalko. Moshe will rejoice in the gift that is his share, ki eved ne'eman karasalo, because you, God, called him a faithful servant. There is no higher achievement that a person could receive, no title, no, no honor that a person could get than to be a faithful extension of God's will into the world. Now let's look back, you've heard this many times from me, Rav Hirsch's definition of the word baruch, of blessing. Mm -hmm. And I'm just going to take this section of it, which we've also read before, although not quite as often. To say, may God be blessed through me, means that one's work is no longer his own doing. At the same time, one is not trying to gain his own ends. His status may be ever so humble. His beginnings may well be ridiculed by others, but he has been assigned to his post by God, the master of heaven and earth, the king of the universe. God knows a man's strength. God's spirit animates him, and he has placed him within the particular context of his occupation so that he may perform God's will there and then. It is possible... Let me read you the Medrash Tanchuma on the words, V'hiyisem kedoshim, you shall be holy. V'hiyisem kedoshim le'elokechem, from Shema. Bizman shatem osi mes I think actually Rashi may have quoted from this. Bizman shatem osi mes at the time when you do the mitzvos, atem mekudoshim, you are sanctified, you're dedicated. Ve'emaschem muteles al haumos, and the awe of you, fear of you, falls upon the other nations. What? What does that mean? I mean, what's the connection? I, I kind of understand what it means, but why? What? Okay. Peirashta min mitzvos You separate yourself from the mitzvos. Vasisa maveros, and you do sins. Miad mechulalimatem. You immediately become desanctified. So there's kodesh and chol. There's sanctified and weekday, <laughs> non-sanctified. And somehow, if you're sanctified by doing mitzvos then the nations will fear you. And if not, then not. I didn't know where Rav Hirsch got the idea he said here. But when I read it over again, in light with this Rashi in front, with this Medrash in front of me, I realized, oh, that's Rav Hirsch. That's what he was saying. Clearly, this is this idea that he was saying. Zuntai. Okay. When you are doing God's work, not your own work, when you are doing his mitzvos, one's work is no longer his own doing. One is not trying to gain his own ends. Man is his worker, and consequently, he has God at his side always. God fights the struggle against nature and society for him because God's spirit animates him. It's no longer us doing it. It's mikudashim. We're sanctified. We're performing God's will. Therefore, it's his strength and his energy. God is man's shield and protector. Before him, not man, will the entire hostile world retreat. Renounce your will for the sake of his will so that he may nullify the will of others before your will. You can hear how he's really quoting the Medrash on Huma with possibly having thrown in a Pasuk from Tehillim, God is our sun and our shield. 
Okay. The culmination of the love of Shema is once, which was all the brachos leading into Shema, are all about love, is wanting to be so close to him that what he wants is all I want, and I feel no greater accomplishment or success than to be the tool of delivering his bracha to the world. That's the ultimate success I could have. And my model for that, I think, is, is well-placed in Eliezer. And Moshe is clearly a different level of achievement of that, and yet it's more difficult. But, you know, we're not getting there. <laughs> not that we're going to reach the level of Eliezer either, but it's perhaps something that's a, more of a model we can follow. To be an extension of his hand, so to speak. And to give us a, an example, which Mrs. Fritkus is extremely well-versed in by now, in the halachos of Borer on Shabbos, selection, separating. One of the times, one of the conditions under which it is permitted to separate foods is biyad. There's biyad, miyad, ocho mipsalas. Biyad, with your hand. All right. Are you allowed to use a fork or spoon? I'm to say yes. Yes, why? Because it's just an extension of your hand. Because it's just an extension of your hand. But your tool, tool but tools you can't use. Right, because a strainer is a tool that is specifically meant for straining. It's not an extension of your hand. A fork or a spoon is called an extension of your hand. A tool can, be, can become the extension of the hand that holds it. When Reverse talks about man is God's tool, therefore it is God's strength animating him. We can become the tool in God's hand, so to speak. That's the ultimate. Okay. Rav Tzadok. Rav Tzadok HaKohen and Preet Tzadok on Parsha Shalach. Not surprisingly, because this is the end of Shema. Emes. Emes is the Chos Moshe Lakadosh Baruch Hu, the seal of God. Emes, Shehu Os Rishon Ve'acharon Ve'emtsoi Shal Osios. Emes, which has the first, the last, and the middle of all the letters. Lirames, to hint to us, Shehu Yisbarach, that he, Hashem, may he be blessed. Haya Hoveh V'yihiyeh was, is, and always will be Aleph from the beginning, Saf to the end, Mem in the middle. The letter Aleph hints to the past. Atahu Adshelo Nivra HaOlam. You are he, you are he, so to speak. God, you were, your, you were God yet before the world was created. This is the concept of the Torah's beginning, so to speak, which is not at Barashas Barolokim in this sense, but when Hashem says, don't worry, I'm starting the Torah with Bez, but Aleph, you're going to be the beginning of giving of the Torah. The first words of Torah we received from God were not Barashas Barolokim. They were Anochi Hashem Elokecha. So the, the um, identification of Aleph as being first, primary, original, but also being Anochi, Anochios. The letter Aleph itself always represents the I, and at the ultimate extent, the I of God speaking and saying, Anochi Hashem Elokecha, I am Hashem your God. Because the Torah is earlier than even the creation of the world, right? The Medrash describes it as 2,000 years, he says, or 2,000 generations before the creation of the world that Hashem created the Torah and looked into it to create the world. And Saf is a hint always to the future, to Olam Haba, to the world to come, which we saw other indications of in those other Gemaras. Truth is 
all the way through. We say about Torah, hafochba vehafochba dekulaba. Turn it over, turn it over, inspect it this way, inspect it every angle. Everything is inside of it. Because truth goes all the way through in the same way that our genes go all the way through all of us, from the outside biggest to the inside smallest. Truth will not conform to what you want it to be. That's where you move from chesed to chesed, ms to ms, right? It's not just what you want. Here's a great phrase from the book Gateway to Judaism. The essence of Jewish belief is that the senses perceive only the surface of an entity, and beneath the plane of physical perception lies a vast spiritual reality. For Jews, truth is not defined by the human being, but by God. Now, this comes down in many levels in Rav Hirsch. I'm not going to go there now, but he, he does talk about it here also in this this idea of Torah and Torah as MS, that, and that our minds could never create or recognize the truth of Torah without Hashem having given it to us. That it's so much deeper and permanent, and it is histako raisa uvara alma. The world is created from Torah. Therefore, Torah is MS. Torah is the expression of the true inner nature from which flows this conception and this formulation of world. That's what MS means. Okay, we've mentioned MS is related to Yaakov. I just want to make sure my watch didn't stop. Okay. <laughs> it was like, gee, wasn't it that time? Just before? Okay. Titain MS Yaakov, the verse says. Give, give your MS to Jacob. Okay. The Nusach Sfard, I didn't count up in the Nusach Ashkenaz. One... Two, three, four, five, six. So in the Nusach Sfard version of the Siddur, there are eight times the word MS in these passages bridging from Shema to Shemona and Rav David Cohen suggests that that's because MS in the list of Midos is eighth. Hashem, Hashem, Keo, Rachum, Vichanun, Erech, Apayim, Verav, Chesed, Ve'emes. And this concept of MS, as Rav Tzadok just mentioned, is referring towards Olam Haba. It starts you at Aleph, but it takes you through to Saf. And that Saf is a reference towards Olam Haba, towards eternity. That's this idea of Mekor Chaim, the source of life. MS that can stand and last. MS has a kiyum. Sheker doesn't have a kiyum. And the idea, for example, of the Maharal, of eight being associated with the supernatural, with that which is eternal and above nature, which is not eternal. The, the level of the supernatural. Now... You remember this Rashi. I was glad to see that um, Rabbi Cohen also brought it. <laughs> the Rashi in Parshas of Aera, where Rashi says, Shmi Hashem lo nadati, I didn't let my name be known to the forefathers. Right? He said to Moshe. 
Loni Karti, I was not recognized or known to the forefathers, Avram Yitzchak and Yaakov, Bemidas Amitushili, with the quality or the interaction of MS. Uh, amisus is, is more than truth. Amisus is f- like fulfillment. Fulfillment of what is true, which fulfillment is a good word also in this context when I think about it. Like the MS is as something past the point of mm-hmm. um, emuna mm-hmm. of Amen. Shala Nikoshmi Hashem. It's when when the name Hashem, Yud Hey, Vav and Hey, Hayahovihia is invoked, that is a reference to his quality of Amitus. We talked about that in terms of Ne'emanus. Ne'eman la'ames devarai, faithful to fulfill my words. I, because for the forefathers, during their lifetimes, I promised but did not fulfill. That's what Rashi said. And, he, and Rabbi Cohen goes on. Haresha Kaddish Baruch Hu Mizgala B'midazo, Kishahu Goel Yisrael. God is revealed in this quality of MS with us, let's say, it, the quality of MS is revealed to us when he redeems us. MS, okay, we understand. MS points us to Asid Lavo. MS points us to supernatural. And the quality of MS is something that we really only see in Geula because that is the fulfillment of the promises. I think we could also say that we see it alternatively in Schar and Onesh, in punishment and reward, which is probably why in many places when there's Ani Hashem, Rashi says, Ne'eman l'shalem sachar, or Ne'eman l'hipara, meaning God keeps his word. He said you'll be rewarded if you do something. He said you'll be punished if you do something. When you see it happen, right, that's the fulfillment of it. This mida of emes, though, we only see in Geula, because that's when the promises are kept. MS is the seal of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's the Gemara. Because from Aleph to Tav with the Mem in the middle. And therefore, in the bracha known as the bracha of Geula, it starts with the word MS. This, this word MS is the beginning of a long bracha that ends... Baruch Ato Hashem Goal Yisrael. Blessed are you, Hashem, who redeems Israel. And then we say Shmonesre. It's one big long bracha. It starts with the word MS. Because MS is related to Geula. I would just add on to that, putting these ideas, sort of stacking them together, because once you have a bunch of ideas that all go together, it's much easier to see how they go together. There is a principle, there's a halachic principle. We have a smichus, an adjacency of geula to tefillah. You're not supposed to interrupt between geula and tefillah. Now, geula, it's, it's funny because you have it here also, right? You don't interrupt between Shema and the word emes, which is going to be the bracha at the end of it. But gal Yisrael is really the concluding bracha after Shema. We had brachas before Shema, and that's the bracha after Shema. Why should you not interrupt between gal Yisrael and tefillah? Tefillah is Shemona Esrei. Because in Tefillah, in Shemona Esrei, that's the level of atzilus, of, let's say, a revelation of being at the Kisei HaKavod, standing before the Kisei HaKavod. They have to be put together. You have to be at a place of feeling as much as you can that sense of MS, 
and that Hashem is our redeemer and redeeming us to have the ability to stand and feel not amen sometime in the future I will see revelation, I will face God, but right now in my Shmona Esrei, I'm standing before God. The Chassam Sofer associates Tzitzis with Yaakov. He points out that when it says, Ve'asulahem, the Jewish people shall make for themselves Tzitzis al kanfei vigdehem. Sprouts, strings coming forth on the wings, on the corners of their garments. As if you take the Rosh Tevos of Tzitzis al kanfei vigdehem, Tzadik, Ayin, Kaf, and Vez. The Gematria is the same as the Gematria of Yaakov. It's not exactly the letters of Yaakov. It's, I mean, the ayin and the vezar and the kaf and the tzaddik add up to the ayin and the kuf. Uh, sorry, to the yud and the kuf. And he says, he, is, he, he associates this. Why would Yaakov be associated with tzitzis? Because there's a name called Yaakov and there's a name called Yisro. Mm-hmm. And when other people had their names changed by God, the name was changed. In the case of Yaakov, his name wasn't changed. He has another name added. And the name Yaakov is used and is usually from then on referring to a lower state. And the name Yisrael, which refers to a more elevated state, a loftier state. And building on that idea, which is an idea from the Maharal, the Chassam Sofer says, when, a per, when the Jewish people can call themselves Yaakov, like last week's Parsha, Akev, the heel, the lowest extreme, then HaKadosh Baruch Hu raises us up with the name Yisrael. Yisrael is Hashem granting to us. Yaakov is our relationship to him. We have to see ourselves as the bottom of the long strand. Hashem at the top of the long strand. Tzitzis as well. The physical low manifestation, but of something that reminds us and attaches us to something lofty and above. And in this sense, tzitzis are an expression of anava, of humility. Not that the blue of the tzitzis is the end-all and be-all. The blue of the tzitzis is the lower expression. But in being recognizing that it's lower, it is connected to something higher. If your tzitzis just think that they are what matters, then you get like that Rashi, right, with the people who use a vegetable dye to counterfeit the treles, if that's the only point. But that's not the point of tzitzis. The point of tzitzis and techeles is it reminds you of the sea, which reminds you of the heaven. It brings you up and connects you to something much higher. That is the elevation of the Jewish people through our anava, through our humility. And you hear the pattern again. Connecting myself to God, not by the elevation of my separate identity, but elevating myself by, by, by saying I'm the smallest bit of a godly identity. In my anava, in making myself humble, I can become elevated. We actually, in, in Revolbi, on that, that long passage I did on Asher Kiddushanu B'mitzvosav with the astronaut, he also says something like that. Remember about how a person is simultaneously humbled and elevated through doing mitzvos, because what he is doing is because God willed it. So then the action would become at the same time, Eved Melech Melech, the servant of a king is treated like a king. I think 
could have a new insight into the concept of Evid Melech Melech from what we've said today. Okay. Evid Melech? Evid Melech Melech. The servant of a king is a king. Now, what does it mean the servant of a king is a king? Does he get to boss people around? No. But imagine that we live in, well, it's always difficult with these king marshals because we don't feel the same, you know. But um, if the servant of a king, if he sends a minister to come and tell us what he wants, we're going to treat that minister with a lot of respect. Not because the minister deserves so much respect, but because he's the representative of the king. This is, I mean, and we see he's able, he's going to fulfill what the king's instructions are to us. He becomes the tool, the extension. He's the evet, like we said. He's the evet of the melech. Well, the evet of the melech, we treat like a melech. Okay? It, it's, it's the looking at the outside to that concept of I become the tool in the hand of God. The evet melech, melech. If I become evet melech, then my identity is actually the identity of the melech, not my own identity that I created. And that this is a, high, a higher level of glory, the recognition of our dependency on him. go there. Okay, MS. MS is the first letter, the middle letter, and the last letter. I think I know that part. Okay, but did you count it out? Because you're the person who would do that. There are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. number of letters, so how could you have an exact middle? Unless you had the... Number one, Aleph, Bez, Gimel, oh, well, we could jump to Yud as the tenth, okay. Kaf, Lamed, Mem. Mem is the 13th. 13th isn't the exact middle of 22, no matter how, even if you said you'll look at either side of the middle. Unless, unless you add the five Sophit letters. Exactly. So if you add the five Sophit letters, and now you have a 27-letter alphabet, rather than a 22-letter alphabet, then Mem is exactly in the center. Okay, you can figure it out on your own. I did do it once a couple years ago. You said it was the 13th letter? It's the 13th, 13th letter if you just 22. count straight through without including Sophia. Putting the final letters at the end? In their, correct, in their places, assuming that Chaf, Chaf Sophit, Mem, Mem Sophit, Nun, Nun Sophit. Okay? All right. This is, this is a Chiddush, I believe, of of Rav David Cohen. I never saw it anywhere else. I don't see he credits it to someone else. I believe it's his Kiddush. Okay. So all of a sudden, in order for MS to be what they say it is in the Gemara, to be the beginning, the middle, and the end, to be the seal of God, we have to include the five final letters. Now the five final letters, known as either Mansepach or Menatzpach, okay, Mem, Nun, Tzadik, Fei, Chaf. Okay, with a little quotation mark thing that shows that it's an acronym. Or at least not a word. It's not really an acronym, I suppose. Well, <laughs> I did see a very interesting way of learning it as an acronym, but, but in the simple means, it's not an acronym. Okay. Those letters are brought by the Pirkei de Rabbi Eliezer, which is very ancient. It's, it's contemporary to Medrash, I think. Trying to think if it goes with Mishnah. I believe that it's not Mishnah, it's Medrash. 
Pirkei de Rabbi Eliezer talks about the five letters. The five letters of Mansepach are called the Osios Hageula, the letters of redemption. They are Otiot Sofiot, letters of the end. They're the letters of the end, the end of days. When they're at the end of a word, all of a sudden the characteristic of that letter looks different than what you thought it was, usually longer. In other words, spanning one world to another world, one plane to another plane. That's what those letters do. They come from a duplication of letters. So the source where the Pirkei Rabbi Eliezer teaches about the letters, each one it'll be something like lech lecha, lech lecha me'artzecha. Okay. Um, there's a lot of different layers of this with the five letters and the... I don't think we could go all the way into the five letters and the six and the... Okay. By the way, we always... There's this question, why does the Pirkei Rabbi Eliezer call them mansepach? Because, or menatzpach, however you want to say it. It's not really a word, right? Mem nun tzadik fei chaf. It really should be chaf mem nun pei tzadik. So why did it scramble around? When you look at it this way, it looks like a word. And it looks like a word whose root is litzapot, to gaze off into the distance. Say the word again. Or to anticipate. Litzapot. Mansepach or Menatzpach. It looks like. Well, that's the infinitive. Tzadik fei means to look into the future. Animetzapa, I am anticipating. Okay. The Gemara says a person in the next world would be asked, Hatsipisa li Yeshua. Did you look forward? Did you anticipate salvation? Right? This, it means to look forward, to anticipate, to look to the future. So we scramble, Pirkei Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Eliezer scrambles the letters this way because these are the letters of Geula. There's Hatsipis Ali Yeshua. Are you looking forward? Are you anticipating Yeshua? So it's not an actual word, but by scrambling them, you create a pseudo word that if you had to say what's the root of that word, because Mem and Nun are both like prefix letters and Chaf is a, is a suffix letter. So if you saw a word that looked like that and you didn't know what word this was, you would assume it had something to do with anticipating or looking out into the future. Har Hatsofim, right, is Mount Scopus because it's the highest mountain of that little set. So you stand up there and you can look out and see if anyone's coming. You always had watchmen on Har Hatsofim. That's what they're there for. Okay. Rashi said in the Gemara and Shabbos, the seal of God is truth because it is the first letter, the middle letter, the last letter. As Hashem said to Yeshaya, Ani Rishon va'ani Acharon. I am first, I am last. That takes into account also the future because the word emes takes us all the way to the future. You'll remember we talked about last week, there's a Pasuk in Devarim. I think I wrote the whole Pasuk down here. Devarim Lamed Beis Lamed Tes. It's in Hazinu. You always know that, by the way. Anything that's in Devarim chapter 32, Lamed Beis, is Hazinu. Because Hazinu only has one parak. It's all 32. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know where it is in 32. No, I do happen to know because I looked it up. It's near the end. But you don't know where it is in the Parsha, but you know that's where it is. Okay, Re'u. 
Re'u ata, look now. Now the word ata also always means an opening for tshuva, so it's a now that has opportunity for eternity. Ki ani, ani, hu. For I, I am he. Not positive that. Ki ani, ani, hu, God says. I, I, like. Ve'en Elohim imadi. There is no other force or power that stands with me. Ani amis va'achaya. I bring death and I bring life. You hear there, it's not only the power. This is the long term. This is treyas I bring death and life in that order, not the other way around. Machatzti vani arpe. I can cut down and I can heal. I cut down and I heal. Ve'en miyadi matzil. There is none to save you from my hand. <laughs> that you don't look to anything outside of God for your healing, for your redemption. It's only from God. Okay, ki ani ani hu. This is also a way of thinking about that. The 13 letters. The ani. Ani Hashem Elokechem. At the beginning. Ani. Ani Hashem Elokechem. At the end. And the mem in the middle of Eretz Mitzrayim, of the now, of the Malchus, Anihu, I am he, in the present and in the moment now, in the middle as well. Listen to this Baal HaTurim. Ki ani anihu, for I, I am he, says God. Gimel pa'amim keneged gimel galios. This verse has the word ani three times. Representing the first three exiles. Ki ani, ani, hu, ve'en Elohim imadi, ani, amis, va'achaya. It also has the word va'ani, machatzti va'ani erpe, erpa, ve'en miyadi matzil. That va'ani, so we have I, 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 and I. Va'ani, keneged galostalad, corresponds to the fourth exile. That's the one we're in. As it says, the first pasuk in Yechezkel, va'ani besoch ha'gola. This is a drash, it's not the pshat of the, I don't know if there's such a thing as a pshat in Yechezkel anyway. But va'ani besoch ha'gola, Yechezkel said, I was in the exile. But the Balaturim is taking this as God speaking. I was in the exile. I, God, am exiled with you. The Shekhinah is exiled with us. Lomar, shebechol ha'galuyos, ha'kadosh baruchu imanu lahatzileinu. To tell us, that in all of our exiles, God is with us. He is not only suffering with us, he is standing there with us to save us, to redeem us. The vav, relating to the fourth of the galuyos. Ani, ani, va'ani. Ani, 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 va'ani. Rav Tzadok HaKohen says, the letter vav is the letter of, anyone remember? is a long time since we talked about this concept. Os Vav is Os HaMS. The letter Vav is the letter of MS. That's Rav Tzadok in the Sefer Pritzavik. He's the one that said the letter Vav is the letter, is the letter of MS, but it's, I believe, it's based on other things as well. Okay. Vav is a letter that connects. Vav is the letter that... Okay, Yaakov is Ish Emes, right? And Titain Emes Le Yaakov. 
In five places, Yaakov's name is spelled with an extra vav. It doesn't have any vav normally. It's spelled with a vav. And in five places, Eliyahu Hanavi, whom the Medrash associates with the soul of Yaakov, Eliyahu Hanavi's name is spelled without a vav as Eliyah. if I brought the actual text of that. Five places of what? Five places throughout the Torah. Here. Rashi. Rashi brings this in Vayikra Chavav Membez. Let's see if I happen to have that here, but I wanted the Rashi here. I didn't go look this up because I remembered we spoke about it at the time. It's kind of hard to recognize the name Yaakov with the Vav um, added. It's between the Kuf and the vase. Eliyahu Navi has, is missing the Vav five times. In five places, yeah. Okay. So let me just find Chafav Membez. Okay. Vizacharti, Hashem says. And I will remember. Esbrisi Yaakov. So here it's on the top line. It's the last word of the top line of that verse. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's how it looks. Yaakov has a vow. Well, not very often. Okay. I remembered my covenant with Yaakov, the Afes Brisi Yitzchak, and even my covenant with Yitzchak, the Afes Brisi Avraham, Ezkor, and also my covenant with Avraham, I will remember, the Haareth Ezkor, and the land I will remember. Rashi, Vizacharti Esbrisi Yaakov, Bachamishamakomos, in five places, Nichtav Male, the word Yaakov is written Male, full, because it has the Vav. The Eliyahu chaser bechamisha mekomos, and the name Eliyahu is missing, is uh, incomplete. It doesn't have a vav in five places. Why? Yaakov natal os mishmo shel Eliyahu. Yaakov took, he grabbed, a letter from the name of Eliyahu, a ravon, as a deposit, sheyavo. Until such time as he should come, v'yivaser ge'ulas banav, and uh, inform us and announce the redemption of his children, of Yaakov's children. He says, I'm holding on to that vav, okay, until you come, and mevaser, right? Eliyahu Hanavi, mevaser besoros tovos. He's the one who tells us of the redemption. We've definitely talked about this idea before in Shabbos's. Okay. All right. It is the letter of truth. Vav is the letter of MS. MS is associated with Yaakov, and Vav is associated with Yaakov. Mm-hmm. MS is associated with Geula, with Olam Haba, with getting all the way to the end, to the end of the process, to the end of days. And now Vav turns out to be associated with Yaakov. the same idea, with Yaakov, with Eliyahu, and with the end of the days, with that final redemption. When, we, when the Balaturim said, 
There are three Anis representing the first three Galuyos and Va'ani representing the fourth Galus. He didn't need to tell us why the fourth one was different from the first three because probably we knew all this about the letter Vav, right? <laughs> the fourth one has the Vav because the Vav is the letter of that geula and of that truth and of reaching that place where everything in the world now is a, we can see how it is MS, how it is a pure and complete expression of that which is true and that which is God's creation and God's will. There, this idea of five instances of a vav, which is a six, it's, um, I don't perfectly understand the relation between them, but you see this pattern in a lot of places. For example, there are five books of the Torah, but there are six satyrs of Mishnah. One is Torah Shabal Peh, one is Torah Shabichtav, and Torah Shabal Peh is with the six, which is the Lamala Min Hateva. You see it in a lot of places. Even the Torah itself says if the Jews had not sinned, if we hadn't sinned, we wouldn't have needed all those books of Tanakh of Navi and Ksuvim. Because really what they do is show us how it is to live in the normal world where you fail and then bad things happen and then good things, right? That, that's, that's the story of Nach. So what would we have had? Chamisha Chum Torah and the book of Joshua, which is really a five and a, and a six. Like there's a lot of interaction somehow between the five and the six when you're bridging the world and the world to come and somehow dovetailing them together where this world becomes a world to come. For whatever reason, I, I, I don't really understand it, but for whatever reason, you start to see there fives that are sixes, sixes that are fives, Eliyahu take uh, five copies of the six. Like, you see this a lot. Now, another interesting thing about this Vav as the letter of MS, what happens if Vav is the letter of MS? Meaning, MS is already at the redemptive stage. That's what you see. You see MS at Geula. What if you're not at Geula yet? So we talked about that in terms of Amen. Like that's what the Emuna, faith in the fact that that's coming. What if a person doesn't know and Hashem tells you that the Geula is coming? Okay, so trusting in that, that's the emuna. Because you didn't see it yet, that would be Ennis. But what's it called when Hashem, usually through a Navi, but not always, tells you that the redemption is coming? You haven't seen it yet. When he tells you about redemption, when you are behaving in accordance with the knowledge, it's called Amen, Aleph Memnun. Mm -hmm. But what's it called when Hashem informs you of it? That's called os, aleph, vav, saf. It's an aleph and a saf. It's from beginning to end, but it's a vav in the middle. It's that letter that's, that is held, held onto until such time as the redemption will be shown. That's called os. Now I'm going to give you examples of how that's called os. Ki yakum bekir bechanavi ocholim Whoops, I did do the rest of the puzzle, didn't I? Haha, -ha. no, I didn't. Awkward. Hold on. <laughs> it's like, don't even get to the letter, the word we need. Okay. 
This is in Parshas Re'eh, very begin, uh, not the very beginning, Parakud Gimel. Pasuk base. Let's see. Yeah, pasuk base. Ki yakum bikir bechanavi. When there shall arise within your midst a prophet ocholim chalom or one who dreams a dream, venasan elecha oso mofes, and he shall provide for you to you an os or a mofes, a sign or a wonder. Okay. Now this is talking about how do you know if a prophet is true or not? This is what the Torah is telling us. The Ramban asks over here, as do many of the Mephorshim. What's the difference between an os and a moface? A sign and a wonder. Kind of sounds the same. What's the difference between a sign and a wonder? And the Ramban says, quite explicitly, the concept of a sign, of an os, is when Hashem, either directly to the Navi or through the Navi, tells you what is going to happen and describes it for you so you can visualize it, but you haven't seen it yet. Mm-hmm. That's the os. A moface is a change in nature. It's a wonder. And there are places he brings examples where Moshe does the same apparent miracle, and sometimes it's called an os, and sometimes it's called a moface, like when he throws the stick down and it turns into a snake. When he does it for the Jewish people, it's called an os. When he does it for Paro, it's called a moface. Why? Because with the oaths, he tells them, here's what I'm going to do, and he does it. When you inform someone beforehand so that they know and can visualize in their mind what will be, that's an oath. If you just do it, and they go, wow, that's a moface, that's a wonder. (laughs) Okay? An oath means that God telling you what will be in the future in such a way, hopefully, that you can visualize or imagine it in some way, but you haven't seen it yet. When you behave in accordance with the os as being true, that's called Aleph Memnun. That takes you halfway in. The os takes you across, and the word emes takes you all the way through to the end. That's the actualization of seeing it to the end. It's very amazing kind of interweaving of the function of the vav and the function of the os and the word amen and the geula and its revelation. Okay, that's the concept of os. I want to end with one last idea, not last idea, first idea, <laughs> that um, will bridge us to next week, which is, where does this MS Vyatsiv come from? I mean, it's important enough that we actually tack it on to Shema. You're not supposed to stop. You're supposed to say, Ani Hashem Elokechem Emes, straight through. Yes. Where did it come from? Where did this Emes Vyatsi Venachon come from? There are, there are actually two pieces to this. We're, we're going to just talk about one of them, I think, for today. In... At the end of Queen Esther's life, the Jews were permitted to go back to Israel and rebuild the temple. The temple had been destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar of Babylonia. And Ezra, led, who was a prophet, led the Jews back to Israel, but not that many came. Mm-hmm. And the ones who came were not the elite of the yeshiva world, for the mm-hmm. most part. It was mostly 
actually people who had forgotten almost everything in that short assimilation from Israel. Ezra sent a letter to the Bnei Hagola, to the people still living in Babylonia, and said, come up to Eretz Yisrael. And they said, no, we're not ready. Hmm. Because we know that you're building a Beis Hamikdash that's oh. just going to be destroyed again. We're just going to be sent away again. And they said, it's just better to sit tight until Hashem will gather together all of those who have been scattered into the exile, the people who are still living in exile. I mean, who is, who are you? The Bnei Hagola. Oh, this is, this particular quote is from the Seder Hayom, but I saw it in, um, I've seen it in a number of different sources. I'm trying to think where they quote it back to the earliest one. There's a sefer called the Otsar Hatafilos brings this down. I'm not sure. I'd have to look. I'm pretty sure that Rav Schwab, Rav Schwab, well, I'm not reading right now from Rav Schwab. Rav Schwab also says it. It could be over there. He gives a a source. These are the Jews who are in Iran to this day. Oh, yeah. And in Iraq. I don't know if there's any Jews left in Iraq, but the the Jews who were left in Iraq, at least until the 60s, this is the Jews of Yemen. This is the Jews of India and China. Yeah, I don't know. The first exile. The first exile, possibly Ethiopia. Ethiopia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But aren't we hearing exactly the same thing today? The Could be. Saying we're, we're not Could going be. Back. This doesn't comment on that right now. Absolutely, the people say we won't come back. In this case, they said we. They knew. Everyone knew that that was not a final redemption. This was not going to be the fulfillment of "I will gather you back from the four corners of the earth." The Shechina never dwelt in that Beis HaMikdash. They didn't want to come back. It's not to their credit. It is not to their credit. But for whatever reason, that's what they said. They said they'd rather stay there until the final Geula would come, the true Geula. However, this then calls into question their Amuna. Oh, it's really nice to say that, but what do you really believe? Meaning, you're, the fact that they are not rushing back from exile, you can always give it a good face, right? You can say, oh, well, I want to wait for the real Shechina. But that's just an excuse. You don't want to move. You're living in your house. You're going to go to a land that's been destroyed. It's going to have to be rebuilt from scratch. The people in the time of Ezra were attacked by the Samaritans out there so badly that they had to work in shifts day and night rebuilding the wall around the city, guarding and building around the clock. Because if they stopped, everything would be torn down or they'd be attacked through the wall. It was not like, oh, I'll make Aliyah and I'll go to Israel. It was like, I'm going to walk in a caravan. I'm going to lose my home, lose everything, pile it onto camels, go in a caravan to Israel. There is no yeshiva in Israel. There's Ezra. It's good. I mean, it could be worse, right? There's Ezra. There's a small community many of whom are intermarried, people who don't know the halachos, they don't know how to keep a Rosh Hashanah, they don't know how to keep a Yom Kippur. You can imagine that the more learned people were not in a big rush to run into that, to, a, to an environment where it's going to be all physical labor, a lot of danger, surrounded by really the, the lowest amehaaretz of the Jewish people in some sense. Not maybe in terms of their mitos, but certainly in terms of their knowledge or, or ability to keep halacha. 
And the fact that Ezra had to get up and say, divorce all your non-Jewish wives. And you say, what? <laughs> you know, the Kohanim, like, oh, will we still be Kohanim? Is this going to work? <laughs> you know, like, it was a really bad situation. So you really could think that the reason they're not coming was just a little bit selfish. It wasn't really because they were having faith and waiting for the final redemption. So do you know what they did as an expression of, of their desire for the final redemption? In, they, they felt that they needed to say something that would demonstrate how much they were yearning for that redemption. And this is MS, right? And so they composed this paragraph of MS Vyatsev all the way through to MS Elokeo La Malkenu. Okay, down through here. They composed this prayer of a hundred letters. Why? Because this was at the same time. Ezra didn't just send to them and say, come, come back to Israel. Mm -hmm. He also made a takana, a decree. And the decree was that a person should say a hundred brachos every day. Mm. It starts to get, okay. And so their response was, they sent back a prayer of a hundred letters that says, yes, we accept your words. Yes, we are waiting the redemption eagerly. The fact that we're not coming is not because of a lack of eagerness for redemption, which, Judy, I would say is for most people, what is the truth when they're just sitting in Gullahs today? It's not redemption there, by the way. Nobody said you could build a base on Mikdash. Hopefully by the time you get there, it will be. Right. right? There's other reasons to move to Eretz Yisrael, including mitzvah reasons, including <laughs> Torah reasons. But most people, whether they quote those or they're not, usually it's an expression of lack of eagerness for greater spirituality and redemption. Not always, though. And this expression, they were accepting the takana of the hundred brachos, and they're also expressing, they're accepting what he said about coming back to Eretz Yisrael. They had reasons they weren't coming back. Maybe it wasn't the best decision. Maybe it was. But, but it was not a lack of eagerness for redemption and spirituality that held them back. That wasn't the problem. And so they sent back to Ezra, MS, V'yatsi, V'nachon, V'kayam, V'yashar, V'nayamon, beginning with the word MS. MS is the word of redemption. Redemption that is so imminent that it's there. Okay, so this, we're going to stop there today. <laughs> and this, this, oh, did you make it? Oh, you didn't have to walk up the side? Wow. Okay. MS. MS. Can I ask you my three questions that I've been MS. So yes. So we're going to, that's, okay, Hashem. next week we're going to start transitioning. MS Malach Olamakinu. I can't find the end of that. Mine ends with... So let's count it out. Okay, let's get. No, it's before that. What they sent. What they sent is not as long as that. Here. Just start at the beginning and count a hundred letters. I started that. I believe he said it's Elokeo la Malkeno. 
here where it says v'yatzi v'nachom v'kayam v'yashar v'neeman v'ahuv v'chaviv v'nechmad v'noim v'nara v'adir u'masukan u'mekubal v'tov v'yafeh hadavar hazeh alenu le'olam v'ed emes elohei olam malkeinu. Oh, the very beginning. Yeah. Okay. Now there's all kinds of interesting things about the end and how they, the number of the word kayam, the number of times it says kayam, and the number of times it says emes. And the number of times it references it, all these things will, some of them at least, <laughs> all these things have meaning and some of them we'll look at. We're not really going to do the whole MS Vyatsev okay, because we said we're going to do Shema and then go to Shemona Esrei. But I think as part of our transition from Shema to Shemona Esrei, we will use the MS Vyatsev as the structure for that. Okay, question two. You yes. said it was four times Ani, the fourth was Va'ani. Oh, Where I didn't realize I went anis? so late. I feel so bad. Where are the four Ani's? Uh, it is the pasuk in the pasuk in Devar and Lamed Beis. Okay, so it's the pasuk in Devar. Okay. Yeah, it is Lamed Beis, Lamed Tes, I think. I'm not so concerned with what letters it is. I just wanted to know. Uh, no, no, I mean that's that's the verse. That specific that's because that's the pasuk Ani Ani Hu. And over here we have Ani Hashem Olkechem, Ani Hashem Olkechem. You have these two Anis. Which brings you to say, oh, maybe that would help me understand this other verse where Hashem says, ki ani ani hu. Ani ani, oh, wait, so we're talking, okay. It's also, it's also brought in the Mephorshim. Yeah, you can, you can go back and see. missing Vav. Eliyahu is. is, is I, it's missing Vav's in five places in, in the Torah. Torah? I don't even remember that Eliyahu was missing. In Tanakh, in Nach. Oh, in, in Tanakh. That's yeah. what I was wondering. So it's in Nach. Yeah, that's Torah. Okay. Good. If we hadn't sinned, then that wouldn't have been Torah. But yeah. since we did, it is. Okay. <laughs> Which might tell us something about why those vavs are missing from Eliyahu. No, right? Like <laughs> all of Yaakov's are <laughs> bumped up, right? Okay, but, thank you. No, by the way, the letter vav, mm-hmm. you know, we say Aleph is the first letter. I meant to say this before. Um, Aleph is the first letter. Mem is the middle letter. Suf is the last letter. But if I look at the Torah, where we're saying like you could you could swap out the mem and have a vav, and then you have something there. If you look at the Torah, the very middle letter, if you count them, is a vav. In the Torah. In the Torah. Not in the... the very middle letter. If you count all the letters and you take the one in the middle, it's a vav. Okay. Hmm. okay so this it is a what you'd call a tzir, the, like the a. Torah including. No, no, just Chumash. <laughs> the five books of Moses. As long as we're making... Is a vav, and it's a vav that's for, with the word gichon, the belly. It's a reference to the snake. I mean, this was a, something I actually jumped over. It wasn't that, but it was it had to do with Yaakov as the one of truth, of emes, and this avoda of repairing the sin of Gan Eden, which took us from, um, the Zohar says, before... Okay, we have to have a question. When Adam ate from the tree, from the Eitz Hadas, the tree mm-hmm. of knowledge, mm-hmm. Tov and Ra, now he's able to tell the difference between Tov and Ra. That seems like a benefit. Yeah, <laughs> Meaning, how, why is that a negative? <laughs> so the Zohar says it's because it's not that he couldn't tell the difference between Tov and Ra, and now he can. It's that previously what Adam could see was the difference between Emes and Sheker. And when he ate from the tree, he no longer could see the difference between Amos and Sheker when he looked at things. He could only see the difference between Tov and Ra. And Tov and Ra can, can be a subjective, right? There is a pure Tov, but it can be difficult for us to know what that is. 
So tov and ra is how we experience that which is actually emes. Sometimes it looks like ra to us, and sometimes it looks like tov to us. But emes and sheker is that which is true and real. That's why beforehand he was able to name all the animals and give them letters and words that were true expressions of what they really were from their spiritual roots. And afterward, he couldn't see emes and sheker properly because it's all covered over by this layer of seeing things as tov and ra. Okay, so this, um, mm-hmm. the, the correction of the gichon, which is one va- big vav that's the middle of the Torah, right, mm-hmm. turns on that, and the correction of that comes also through in Yaakov. Meaning that's what plants the seeds in all of the Jewish people, in himself, Avraham with the chesed, and Yitzchak with the din, and Yaakov with this completion of emes, that emes is a correction. It, it's an achieving, it's an, a correction and a reperfection of what was lost in Gan Eden. And so again, Yaakov there holding on to the vav until such time as he can let go of it, so to speak. This, and then it's emes, then it's, then it's there and ready. So sort of Yaakov with the Vav is, is only en route, it's poised. Yaakov without the Vav is actually a more complete Yaakov <laughs> in a funny way, is, is the Yaakov of Emes. Yaakov without the Vav is more is the, is the is the Yeah, that's a perfected Yaakov. The, the Vav in there is an intrusion, mm-hmm. and he's only holding on to it temporarily. That Vav is where it's an os, it's a sign of what's going to be. But <laughs> you were informed, but you didn't see it yet. Oh, my. So it yeah. took us 27 months to learn Shema. Is this class, so we so said this is class 99? Is that? No, it's only 98. No, but so that would make today 99 then? No, it would make it 98. So I have to look back and, and check when I'm going to go. At least all you can do is through 97. Could be. And four, five, six. And well, well, this no, was you one extra one I didn't play. There was one where I learned, yeah, that was me, just me and Mrs. Khan learning. But I did repeat that. That pat the parts that I read, most of them I read in another class but the did, next week. Did you count that? There was no number. No, that doesn't get a number. Okay. It doesn't get a number. Today was a double class. So Today was definitely a double class. <laughs> more, a little more than a double if class, I'm afraid. That's okay because we have a transition next week. Oh, do we meet that next week? Yes, next week. Next but week we'll start transitioning to Shmona Esrei next week. That's going to be very interesting. Wait, wait, Sharon's not going to be here. Yeah. We'll, we'll try and make sure you get the, the recording. Uh, yeah. Wow, it's been an awesome yeah, journey. Thank you for taking us with you. Help yourselves to some I'm really brunch looking forward to understanding how Shmone Esrei is ain't old milvado when it sounds, a lot of it sounds very down to earth. Yes. Like, uh, help my friends get well, things That's like right. that. Well, so. I think you could already extrapolate from what we've said so far. We could probably already extrapolate out. But that's true of a lot of things, like Rashi. You know, if you would understand him deeply, then you could extrapolate out everything you needed to know. If you understand Chumash deeply, you could pretty much extrapolate out everything you need to know. But, but we've are, I think we've already, in a sense, laid a foundation to that. Shema, Shema is laying the foundation for that. Brachos is the foundation of everything. We learned that in Brachos. It was the handles with which you can carry. It's the foundation of everything, the yisod of everything. And the yisod is not the goal. You know, the foundation of a building is not the purpose of the building. You wouldn't say once you have the foundation, you've got your building. On the other hand, a building without a foundation is not a building. So 
You need to have the foundation in order to have the building. The goal is the building. The foundation is in Brachos. We build another story onto it with Pesuke de Zimra. We build another story onto it with Shema. Now we're ready to get to the, the high objective, which is Shmona Esrei. At some point, that's going to head us step down, step down, step down, because we've got to take it back out with us. Mm-hmm. But I have a feeling that's a little ways away. Open the door. <laughs> Given how long it took to do Shema. Yeah, I have a feeling this could take a number of years. It could take a while. Shem. <laughs>